everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate you listening. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. I don't know about you, but I'm excited for this election coming up in November. I think we're in for quite a few surprises. The uh, primary is 30 days away, 30 days away, and people are already voting. So you can go to the Secretary of State's website. You can sign up for an absentee ballot. They'll mail it out to you. You can vote, mail it in. You can bring it into one of the locations before Election Day, turn it in with one of us absentee ballot judges, uh, absentee ballot board judges. I'm one of them. I'll be at Shoreview Library. Looking forward to it, making sure everything's on the the up and up. When I talked to you about this lawsuit with Minnesota Voters Alliance, did you hear what I said Because Stan didn't hear, and so now I'm afraid some of you guys didn't hear what I said either. You had a case where in 2016 there were 26,000 challenged names on the Minnesota voting roster. uh, in In the computerized statewide voter system that contains 19 separate fields of data, it's data on 5.4 million individual voters. By the way, does anyone see the problem with that? There's there's data on 5.4 million individual voter records. The population of Minnesota is 5.5 million. So something's already wrong. So now it was determined that there were 26,000 challenged names in this list, and the legislative auditor took a look at it. And they couldn't go through all 26,000 names. I wish they did. So they plucked out 612 names. And of the 612 names that were on this list of challenged voters that voted, 20 of them might have been eligible. 20. That's it. 20. There were also 16,000 new registrants in 2016, people who registered to vote in 2016 who identified themselves using the last four digits of a social security number, and those people, that social security number, those four digits, could not be found in the Social Security Administration database. I get it. You know, the Democrats run around, or Republicans, whoever, Libertarians, I don't care, run around with the clipboards. They sign people up to register them to vote. Somebody doesn't really want to do it, so they just write down their name, whatever, and don't match up. The, so I get it. That happens. You know, they don't know how to say no. But we have to be able to look at these records and make sure. Because if you think about it, there are 4,100 4, precincts in the state of Minnesota. If there's just one, just one illegal vote in each precinct, that's enough to lose, oh, every statewide election for 10 years. Does that sound familiar, Republicans? Does, do you wonder why Tom Emmer lost? Do you wonder why Jeff Johnson lost? Do you wonder why every constitutional office for Republicans lost for the last 10 years? We have to get this, this, um, we have to get this voter data under control. We have to make sure that only people who should be voting are doing the voting. And don't let Democrats lie to you. There is voter fraud in Minnesota. And the only way we're going to find out how extensive it is is if we look. Mark Ritchie told me in 2010 there were 250,000 more registered voters than actual voters in the state of Minnesota. 250,000, most of them up in CD8, Minneapolis, St. Paul, 
Mm-hmm. And he said in 2012 there were more. We've got, don't tell me you didn't know this was out of control. You knew it was out of control. Nobody looked at it. Shame on us. We have to get this under control. So now we have a bunch of competitive races coming up in, in November, well, in, in August and then in November too. Uh, Cook just changed some of the rankings of all of our, a lot of people forget, all our constitutional offices are up for election in November. All of our um, House of Representatives for the state of Minnesota is up. And all of our U.S. House of Representatives are up. And we're lucky enough to have both senators up. This is huge. And I told you, this means tons of money coming into our district. But races that are um, open seats, races that are are people who are running for a different office, they have really changed the landscape in Minnesota. And I think it makes so many of these uh, seats ripe for the picking for Republicans. Of course, there's a primary for a whole bunch of things uh, in uh, August, so then we'll firm things up for the November ballot. But I want you to remember this. When you get to the November ballot and you look at it and you say, how the hell did we end up with these rotten candidates? You ended up with those rotten candidates because you didn't go out and vote in August. So get out and vote in August. Get out and vote in that primary. If you're a Democrat, rein your party in. Your party left you. It's unrecognizable. If you're a Republican, come on. Get off the couch. Get out there and vote. Or you do not. Well, I don't think Tim Pawlenty is going to win anyway, so whatever. We'll talk about him a little bit later. You've got some really competitive national seats here in Minnesota. And I've told you repeatedly that I think Republicans can win down in southern Minnesota. I think uh, Hagedorn has what it takes to win that race. I think Jason's going to win in two. I think Paulson's going to win in three, but he's sure trying hard to lose it and sure trying hard. Uh, yeah, you didn't have to be this tough, Eric Paulson. It's your fault that this is going to be such a tight race for you. Uh, four and five, we have two great candidates in Minneapolis and St. Paul, Jennifer and Greg. They're both great. And if people in those areas, it's not just Minneapolis and St. Paul, it's the surrounding suburbs, get out and help them. Get out and tell people to vote for them. Tell them the Democrats are unrecognizable now. Uh, and CD7, Dave Hughes, he's been on this show. Uh, he almost beat Colin Peterson last time, and none of the he wasn't even on the radar of the national folks, and he almost beat Colin Peterson. Dave Hughes can win that one. Uh, Emmer's as safe as safe can be, of course. And, um, uh, oh, Stauber. Uh, that's an open seat because you've got Nolan uh, from CD8, and you've got Democrat, and you've got Democrat Waltz from CD1, who are both vying for governor. So those are open seats, and uh, I just think Stauber looks so good. Amy Klobuchar, Amy Klobuchar, she she reserved $1.5 million in TV ad time for late August through the election. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing so many commercials already, and they just make me cringe. Uh, I was very proud of Jeff Johnson. He had a press conference this past week, and he actually stood up and said, I want to halt on refugees. He said, Minnesota has taken in more refugees from countries in strife than most other states, many other places. He said that the federal government isn't doing enough to support them once they arrive. He said it's getting too expensive for the state and local taxpayers. He said there are security concerns and cost concerns, and we have to address those. And 
and and don't kid yourself. This is an election issue. People are are worried about this. They're concerned about this, especially more so in some areas uh, than other areas. And the response from Aaron Murphy, the endorsed Democrat governor for candidate, she said this is divisive, hateful rhetoric being used as a cynical campaign tactic. Aaron Murphy, shut up. It was a honest, respectful, accurate discussion of an important issue that Jeff, Jeff Johnson brought up. And we should be able to have a discussion on that, a discussion on these legitimate concerns, legitimate concerns, without you coming out and start throwing around divisive, hateful rhetoric. Grow up, Aaron Murphy. Grow up and be willing to have that talk. You know, she talks about how we're not going to tippy-toe around. I don't even know what that's about. It irritates me. Um, and I'm like, really, Aaron? You're not going to tippy-toe? Well, then don't start throwing out nasty rhetoric like that if you can't even be adult enough, grown-up enough, to talk about an important issue that we should be addressing. Uh, also, I meant to talk about Waltz um, and the poll Waltz, his Minnesota Victory Pact, that's a Waltz-aligned poll. They actually showed Swanson in the lead, Waltz coming in second, and Murphy coming in last. You're starting to see more and more endorsements, which I think is so unusual because the the unions in Education Minnesota and the nurses and, you know, all of those people, they're usually behind the endorsed candidate. Well, that's not happening this time. That's not happening at all. And you had Bernie Sanders, a sitting uh, senator, come in and support Keith Ellison, who is not the endorsed candidate, not the endorsed candidate for the Democrats for attorney general. And apparently everybody's okay with it. did, Did Mark Dayton swing that pendulum so that people in the Democrat Party no longer have to support an endorsed candidate? Of course, we have the same situation here in um in in the republican on the republican side of the aisle because plenty came out with his first uh first ad oh my god plenty must be really really in trouble if if he had to put out an ad like that it was a horrible mistake by tim plenty and i jeff johnson brilliantly jumped all over it. We'll talk about it when we come back. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and com. I'm getting out of this high-rise sweet. Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yep, things are heating up. The primary is a month away from today. Don't remember, don't forget, you have to vote. So it was really surprising to a lot of people that uh, Tim Pawlenty came out with an attack ad on fellow Republican Jeff Johnson. Shockingly, it was crazy how distorted it was. Crazy. You had to twist it like a pretzel to make uh, Jeff Johnson look like a bad guy. Now, remember, Tim Pawlenty said he wasn't going to go negative because he said it would hurt our chances in November. But apparently that only applies when uh, when he thought he was way ahead and now he's too close for comfort. Probably the most surprising, oh, it was a horrible mistake by Tim Pawlenty. Jeff Johnson jumped all over of it. All, all over it. Excellent job, Jeff Johnson. But the most shocking um, response to the ad was Jim Abler. 
Senator Jim Abler tweeted out, stop this kind kind of ad now, Tim. You should know better. Whenever Whatever anybody thinks of Jeff Johnson, he does not support o- Obamacare, and he is not a tax raiser. Focus on real issues in the future, first future of Minnesota. That is the debate to be having. So you got you got Jim Abler come out saying, "Hey, Tim Pawlenty, knock this crap off." And and I think the crazy, uh, which should surprise no one, because I told you this would happen. Tim Pawlenty used Minnesota as a stepping stone for his presidential run. He has an eight-year track record in in Minnesota. We know what he did, and we didn't like it. We didn't like it. And his failed presidential run even showed that the nation didn't like some of the things that he's going to do. So he rounded up a bunch of rich friends. They threw him a million dollars. He said, yay, rah, rah, look at me. I ran a whisper campaign for a year. Now I got my rich friends to throw together a million dollars. I'm just going to walk all over this. But guess what? Jeff Johnson won the endorsement. Guess what? Jeff Johnson is too close for comfort for Tim Pawlenty. And and Tim Pawlenty, you might want to look at the advisors you have around you because I'm sure they were telling you you just this would be a cakewalk for you. You've got to learn to stop surrounding yourself with yes men and women, people who you've promised a job to and they're just they just want to look out for their future, not for Minnesota. There are so many people who are angry at Tim Pawlenty, not only for what he did as governor of the state of Minnesota, but just as importantly, what he did when he wasn't governor anymore. When he wasn't governor anymore, what did he do to help Minnesota Republicans? How many candidates did he help get elected? How how about the party debt? Did he help take care of any of that? No. No, he didn't. He disappeared for eight years, and then he shows up back on our doorstep after his whisper campaign and rounding up all his rich friends and says, yeah, I'm not going to the endorsement convention, but oh, yeah, hey, vote for me. No, Tim Pawlenty. And and. I know people ask me all the time, what what are some of the things Tim Pawlenty uh, did during his eight years? All you have to do is look at the Democrats. The Democrats were hounding uh, Tim Pawlenty for his $6.4 billion deficit. They were hounding him for what happened in education. He raised the minimum wage twice. He had green energy mandates. He expanded the Met Council. He actually told us when we said, great, let's get rid of the Met Council. He actually told us, oh, no, no, we're going to use it for the things we want now. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thanks. He created parent or expanded parent aware. He, Common Core. Who signed Common Core into law? That was you, Tim Pawlenty. How about the health impact fee? How about the smoking ban? How about the bill that created Mincher? How about the Twins Stadium? And here's the thing I want you to think of. When Tim Pawlenty loses the primary, and he will lose the primary, he'll be gone. He'll be gone. He'll be out of here and he will not even look back at Minnesota again. Not not even the teeniest, tiniest little bit. It's crazy. Uh, 651-989-5855. 651-989-5855. You want to weigh in? Kevin, let's go to you. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Sue. Um, I had a question. Um, when, they, when they won the lawsuit and they got all those records and they figured there's over 100,000 people that voted illegally, why aren't we going after finding and tracking those people down and throwing them in jail? Well, a lot of those people they can't find. 
a lot uh -oh. of those people they can't find, you know, that their social security numbers don't match. But the the part that I want people to focus on, Kevin, is that in the 2016, 11, uh, 2016 election, there were 26,000 challenged voters. If you have a challenge next to your name in the roster, it means there's something wrong. It means you haven't met the criteria. And these people just voted. They They voted. And they and they probably shouldn't have voted. And when right. the legislative auditor looked at it, they just looked at 612 of them. The legislative auditor said only 20 of those should have voted. But those other 600 votes were counted, and the right. others they weren't even looked it. at. It's just crazy. Well, I guess maybe a new system. I don't know. Some way to check this out. You know, well, before, we we have yeah, we have laws in place that should have been followed, and we have things that we should be doing. Steve Simon isn't doing them. Steve Simon mm -hmm. isn't doing them. Mark Ritchie didn't do them. Uh, Mary Kiffmeyer tried, but um, uh, oh, where was Tim Pawlenty for all this stuff? Nowhere to be found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's there's lots of things we can do. And by the way, Minnesota Voters Alliance does not have the data yet. The judge said, hey, Steve Simon, fork it over, and Steve Simon immediately filed an appeal. So now it's going to have to go up to the Minnesota Supreme Court, of which I will point out most of those people, most mm -hmm. of those people are appointed by Dayton. Oh, boy. So this could be the next United States Supreme Court case. Yep. Well, then, so three years down the road, we get to I know. I know. And in the meantime, we got another election. And where yep. are the legislators? Where's Congress? Where are any of them? Nowhere to be found. Shameful. Yep, they're all playing Tim Pawlenty on us. Yep, exactly. Ridiculous. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. Right. Appreciate it. Uh, Mike, you're up next. Hey, Mike. Hi, Sue. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I started to watch this, uh, well, for years, but over time. But now I've come to the belief that the Democrats' political agenda is actually hurting them. And I'll... I'll give you a couple of real quick examples. I love how Trump says, well, the Democrats want order, open borders, and they don't believe in the rule of law. And, and I know what he's doing there. That, may be, they, they, that might not be 100% accurate, but we really don't see their solution. But what I've watched with interest is nationally where teachers are just giving up and resigning and leaving the school and – I believe that's a consequence of when you continually bring in more and more people and you strain the system and you don't have this infrastructure or the way to support it, and you have to address people that can't even speak the language, now you've got qualified good teachers that are just saying, you know what, it's just not yep. worth it anymore. I've had it. I'm going to go in, into another line of work, and now you have attrition, already a failing school system. So the answer isn't going to be more money, but uh, the Democrats is bring everybody in and it should be free. And I think they're a victim of their own political agenda. I'd like to hear your thoughts. on. I that. agree with you 100 percent. And I'll tell you, Mike, you know how we're going to fix the, the, the rot that's in the education in Minnesota? It is shameful that year after year after year after year, you have children of color, especially in Minneapolis and St. Paul, who are not being educated, not being educated. And and it's been that program has been run by Democrats for how long? For how long? You know what we do? You know how we fix that? We shut those schools down. Shut them down. 
because you can't you can't keep doing this to generation after generation of children. Well, I believe there's facts support this that when you saw the Great Society uh, kick in in the early '60s, and really for the most part, you had intact black families in right. the '50s. Right. Once you introduce the welfare state, now you basically you've destroyed the nuclear family, and now you have people relying on the state, the government, to be the family. Yep. Um, then uh, you combine that with the, the rise in this radical third wave feminism. It's just absolutely we're, we're seeing the decline of the West. Is my Yeah, I agree with it. And I think you're right. I think the Democrats are victims of their own. Right now, you're seeing this huge movement of walk away. And and you've got a whole bunch of people who have been Democrats for a very long time who are choosing to walk away from the Democrat Party because they're they're not doing what they said they're going to do. You've got got American children that are suffering in the inner cities. You've got vets who are suffering. You've got true refugees who are legal immigrants who are coming here and really do really are trying to get away of uh, an oppressive country or uh, whatever is going on in in what their point? lives that they come over but the whole point is the democrats don't care about them they only want their vote and people what? are waking up and realizing it you know what look at the somalians said to phyllis khan hey guess what you were you're you're our gal well not anymore and they put Elian Omar in there and they said you know what we're going to run our own people and I think the Democrats should be should be thinking about that too well my last point would be this I, I believe it was Khrushchev who said we will overthrow you from within and yeah. I think what this is is a radical Marxist uh, it's a malignancy that's grown inside the Democratic Party and now it's getting to the point where they either have to they have to cut this out right I think so, too. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate your comments. I think you're right on. Uh, And I just want to remind people one more time. Bernie Sanders won the primary in Minnesota and in Wisconsin and in Michigan, barely lost in Iowa. So don't tell me there isn't a clientele out there for what Bernie Sanders and the other socialists are selling. You just had the big win in New York. You've got Keith Ellison, who who uh, brought Bernie into Minneapolis and, and Duluth. This they're, they're unapologetically socialist. They're unapologetically left-wing. And they promise everyone all these goodies, where, whether it's Medicare for all or $15 a minimum wage or free college education or free housing and and they 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 actually promote themselves as democrat socialists and no one can even tell you what that means and instead of fostering economic growth instead of fostering prosperity and instead of fostering opportunity for all they use the boot of government to crush people oh you got to wake up, people. You just have to wake up. And and I know the Republicans can use the fear-mongering, but nobody can fear-monger and talk about dead people in the streets like Democrats. And I don't care if it's Trump. I don't care if it's how bad Republicans are or if they're talking about net neutrality or tax cuts or Jerusalem or Supreme Court justice picks or Iran or Obamacare or North Korea. It's just its just crazy. Absolutely crazy. We're going to take a quick break. Um, I'll try to calm myself down, but I don't think this is going to help much either because I've been seeing over and over that the socialists, here's another one that they're pushing, uh, free college for all. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, what you're seeing now is Americans are drowning in student loan debt. 
and you're seeing push after push after push for us to give them a bailout, for the United States to forgive all of it. And I'll tell you, it just makes me feel like such a sucker that I paid for my college education and that I um, helped to save my, my money for my children to go to college and, I might add, leave college without any student debt. And, stay, and you're such a sucker. You paid off all your student loan debt, too. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about it when we come back. Stay tuned. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Afternoon, night. Is it night? No, it's still afternoon. Okay. Late afternoon, <laughs> early evening. <laughs> I told you, I woke up ornery. No, I've been ornery all day. All right. What are we going to do about student loan debt, people? You've got a candidate running in 62B. Uh, I don't even know who the candidate is. I think it's Phyllis Kahn's old seat, if I remember right. Um, she's. It's a her. She's a Democrat. 62B. She says, student debt is not a personal problem. It is a structural structural inequity that oppresses the working class and keep, keeps young people from realizing our revolutionary potential. It is the result of austerity and decisions by politi- policymakers. It's time to make new decisions. Whatever. What about the decision of the kid deciding to go, like you always say, for puppeteering? I know. Masters in puppeteering. 80 grand on an education that she's going to make. True story. True story. Working at a local theater company as a director for, you know, $18,000 a year. Yeah. Americans are drowning in student loan debt, and the U.S. should forgive it all, says an op-ed out of the Washington Post. Uh, This Katrina Vanden... Hovel said politicians in both whatever politicians in both parties say getting a higher education is not only the ticket to the middle class it it's also vital to America's future prosperity yet they've created a system that prices college out of reach and forces children to take on growing levels of debt to pay the fare children Children, really? Well, until they're twenty-six and off. Uh, oh, off that's your right. That's right. Right. Off and your out of mommy your and daddy's health care. <laughs> the debt too often becomes a milestone to the young people. It was intended to assist. Student debt now totals one point five trillion dollars. One point five trillion dollars. That's more than credit card and auto loan debt. And about four out of ten people. Think of that, Stan. Four out of ten people who have attended college take out loans to help pay for it. So that I tells you. I thought it would be more than that. I thought it would be more than that too. I also thought rich people. When we hit the recession, <laughs> when we hit the recession, um, I was I was surprised more people went back to school during the recession because they didn't have a job. Yep, they had time. So they uh, incurred more debt. Um, which I would have thought, if you're in a bad spot, why would you want to incur more debt? But they thought it would help their, w- w- they thought it would help their future. And so, if she wants to less burden the young generation with debt, then why does she go for approved government loans to these people to bingo, put them in debt? Bingo, 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 bingo! Because uh, student loans were nationalized under Obama. They needed all that interest. Um, to pay for Obamacare. So you've got all these people 
Uh, four out of ten people have attended college to take out loans to pay for it. These are the children of working and middle-class families, not the rich ones. The price of college has skyrocketed 400% over the 30 years, and it's become a huge burden. The College Board said in 2016 the average debt for those who took out loans to finish a bachelor's degree was $28,400. $28,400. See, now these people that are whining in this day and age, that does not sound like it's a, a car. whole lot of money. Yeah, it's a car. It's but a car. Then, instead of paying off their loan, guess what they do? They go to college and they come out, eh, I'm going to get a brand new car. It's right. got my first job. You know, I, I'm living now. Oh, wait, I have thirty grand in college debt. And you you think about it, the Democrats screwed the millennials over again with health care. Because you get out of college, you got all this student loan debt because they were handing out student loans to anyone and everyone. It didn't matter if you were going for the for the master's in puppetry degree. True story, folks. True story. The guy accrued like $100,000 worth of debt, and he couldn't figure out why he couldn't get a job with his master's in, in puppetry. And... You look at all this debt, so you've got you've got student loan debt. Well, then they managed to buy a car. That's another couple hundred dollars a month. And then you've got another stupid idea by the Democrats, Obamacare, where you're over 26 now, so you've graduated from college, I hope. You're not living in your parents' basement, or maybe you should be. And then you've got to pay for your own health insurance, so now you got another $300 a month because, oh yeah, they screwed you on Obamacare and on, on top of all that. And then if you do have a medical emergency, look out because your deductible is 6000 7000 $8,000, $10,000 that you have to pay for. And, and then they wonder why millennials, why young people aren't buying houses, why they aren't getting married, why they aren't having children, because they're because they're saddled with debt. And then, they, you know, here's the other thing. So now you've got these people who are saddled with debt, and especially women. They point out that that women pay their loans off more slowly and that women tend to earn less money than men do because they pick different majors. If you're an engineer, you make a lot more money than if you were a social worker. And so, of course, you're going to if you're a social worker, you're going to pay off your debt a lot slower than if you're an engineer or if you're a doctor or, or something like that. And you're going to be incurring higher interest payments. Uh, they also say African-Americans tend to start off with fewer family resources and also fare worse than whites and that they often don't begin saving for retirement, buy a home and increasingly put off decisions about marriage and children because of their high date. Of the millennial generation, about 75% have some form of debt. That wouldn't surprise me. I think a lot of people have debt, and their 25% have absolutely no personal savings. We see, we hear the story over and over and over again that two-thirds say they would have difficulty paying an unexpected bill of $1,000. Yeah, go figure. But now you're seeing groups like the Washington Post, like a lot of Democrats, who are saying that we this is a debt crisis. The cost of college has exploded. These children, children, these are adults. These are adults who signed on the dotted line. Your signature means something. It's a contract. You ha personal responsibility. Anybody ever heard of it? I, and I yeah, think a I don't lot of us so. when we were young, I know 
especially when I was, I, I didn't have a lot of spare change laying around either for an emergency because you're starting right. out, you are broke. That's what growing up is about. You kind of start all a little tough. You get a little more comfortable. You know, you save your money and down the road. You get a be better right. job. Uh-huh. So then they start talking about does forgiving $1.5 trillion in student debt over 10 years cost too much money? Well, yeah, because who's going to pick up the tab for that, taxpayers? Who's going to pick up the tab for that? And the answer is no. The answer is no. And no, and by the way, no, it shouldn't be dischargeable in bankruptcy either. That's another one. But let me tell you something. We should be able to do something about the high interest rates. Remember, the student loan industry was nationalized under Obamacare. That interest rate doubled because they needed that money to subsidize Obamacare. And I think we can do something like that. People have got to remember if they sign on the dotted line, they have to pay it back, and they have to pay it back plus interest. And, hey, kids, guess what? I don't want to pay for your trip to Cancun. I don't want to pay for your beer money. I don't want to hear that you didn't have a job when you were in college. And you know what? Maybe it takes you five years to graduate because you had to work while you were at college. Maybe it takes you six years to graduate so you don't have to take so many loans. Maybe you learn to read that fine print on the bottom of the contract so that you you don't sign up for some ridiculously high interest rate through the federal government who's trying to milk you again who yeah maybe maybe you think about some of that you want to weigh in 651-989-5855 651-989-5855 we'll take phone calls talk a little bit more about the student loan debt what we're going to do about it sue jeffers twin cities news talk am 1130 and twin much for tuning in. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show. We're talking about student loan debt, and you've got this ridiculous person. Um, I was reading from a story, Katrina Vanden Heuvel, and John Gilmore, you are the best. John Gilmore sends me a text and says, Christina Vanden Heuvel is a fantastically wealthy, wait for it, heiress figures she wants to forgive all their debt okay people stop being stupid if you're going to go to college first of all decide if you need to go to college uh to pick a major that actually needs you to go to college and then get your ducks in a row save your money plan accordingly get your credits get credits in high school go to a community college take longer to graduate go to a trade school instead join the military go to work where they help you with your education costs holy cow i couldn't believe how much ups uh, and fedex give you to go to college it's just absolutely crazy but if you go to college and you pick a master's in puppetry, or you pick social worker, radio broadcaster, or radio broadcaster, <laughs> or whatever, and you get a whole bunch of debt, you signed on that bottom line. Your signature is a contract. It's binding. You have to pay it back 
plus interest. And if you're smart enough to go to college, you should be able to figure out a plan to repay your debt. What are you going to be asking for next? That we give you a bailout for your car loan? That we give you a bailout for your mortgage? Oh, wait, we've heard some of that, too. I mean, this is just absolutely crazy, people. Absolutely crazy. You want to weigh in, 651-989-5855, 651-989-5855. Jeff, you're up first. Hi, Jeff. Hey, great show, Sue. As usual, you get my blood pressure going. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's my thought, okay? Why don't they rein in the cost of this higher education? Put them in front of the, they could. In front of the hierarchy like they do with the pharmaceutical and oil industry. Why is it so much? And then how about all this? All these endowment funds you hear about, what are they doing sitting with those just sitting around? They should be helping kids so they can go to school. You'd think so. And and, and furthermore, here, here's, a, here's an idea. If the job that you're going to get when you get out of that college and isn't going to make more than eighteen twenty thousand dollars $20,000, then I don't think the college that you should be taking should cost you any more than that. Exactly. Exactly. People pick so these, just, these majors that are ridiculous. Yep, you're right. And I'm just like you. I got my my kids. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm trying to make sure they don't have any debt after they get done between what I, extra work I I do. Guy work three jobs. Yeah. And, uh, and Jeff, we're such suckers. We're so responsible that we make sure our we work hard so our kids can get out of college without any debt. And and yep. then you've got these people who rack up thousands of dollars and they want us to pick up the tab for that too. Well, my my son actually just did a lot of online college, and he works in the construction industry, so he's doing well. He's, he's got a house already. Wow, good for him. So, and, and very little loan, maybe maybe a couple thousand dollars in loan. Good for him. Excellent. But that's the way you got to do it. It's, it's like you said, you got to be practical. You can't own a Ferrari, and you can't go out to eat all the time. Right. <laughs> and I don't want to so, pay for their tab to go to Cancun. I don't either. I can't even go to Cancun. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate your comments. Uh, Mark, you're up next. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Welcome to the show. Sue, great show. Just a quick 10 seconds on the MVA, Minnesota Boy White lawsuit. Yeah. You got a Dayton-appointed judge that found in point every point in favor of the MVA. What a fraud the Secretary of State is. I know. It's found a, a Dayton-appointed judge found point by point in favor of them, not one point for the Secretary of State. But, as but far Mark, as the, you know what, Mark? Yeah. Think about yeah. that for a second. She had to. There was no other direction she could go. And she knew the Minnesota Voters Alliance would keep taking it all the way up, all the way up to the United States Supreme Court if necessary, and she didn't want to be overturned. She's only she been there a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. But, but, Sue, real quick on the, on the – I tape Judge Judy every day. On an, <laughs> and Emily, about two or, three day, two or three times a week, there's a plaintiff who is suing somebody else, and Judge Judy goes, well, you're not working. How did you get the money to loan? Or how did to, to, to loan the person for the bail money or to loan them for the car or to loan them for this? They always say, oh, my school loan money. Right. Honest to God truth. Isn't that crazy? I'll, I'll hang up to listen. It, Thank it you. Me, it infuriates me. I know. It infuriates me, too. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I, and I will grant you – 
Um, I I think, well, I personally think it's the parents' job to try to educate their children on smart use of money and investment. And I think legislatures have done a better job um, at trying to explain to people when you sign on the bottom on the bottom on the dotted line for your student loan, it, it gives you calculators. Now schools are providing calculators, so you see how much you owe. But there are all kinds of different loans that come from different places. And really, truly, when you pay out, when you're paying your next loan payment, you you think a Democrat. You thank a Democrat because that interest rate that you're paying, that's to pick up the tab for Obamacare. So not only are you getting gouged for what you're being charged at college, you're getting gouged for your insurance, and you're also getting gouged for your interest rate on these loans. And you just remember that every time you vote Democrat, every time you pay that bill. And and I have just been so frustrated with Democrats. Um, poor Stan had to listen to me ranting and raving about um, health care. And I was so furious because you've got um, uh, Eric Holder was tweeting out about how the Republicans are taking steps to destroy the stable health care system, which is pure BS. Pure BS. Our health care system was a mess ever since we tied health insurance to your job. That's when it became a mess. Twyla Braze has her new book out. Um, um, what's it called? Big Brother in the Exam Room. And you know how I told you she was going to be a guest on the show today? Well, it, she's not. It's next week, and I just goofed up. Um, so she's going to come on next week, and we're going to talk about this, and we're going to talk about health care next week too. But when you look at the high cost of insurance, you look at the high deductibles, you look at the inaccessibility to networks and being able to access this stuff, you look at the billion-dollar bailout that Minnesota Republicans gave to the insurance companies, this is all on you, Democrats, all on you. All on you, Democrats. You created this mess. You knew in 2018 it was going to become an even bigger mess. Shame on you. And this is something, this this actually is one of the top uh, issues in, um, in, the, in this upcoming election. And I want you to separate insurance from pre-existing conditions. And I want you to understand that there are different things that we can do to help people with pre-existing conditions. But we have to get back to a more individual uh, insurance, individual insurance market, not tied with your workplace. Aaron Murphy is the, and Aaron Murphy waltz is, I, I will work so hard to see that these liars, these foolish, dangerous liars are not elected to any office. They have done incalculable amounts of damage. They have hurt so many families, not only just our pocketbook, not only the stress level, not only the, the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm. These people have done so much harm to people, to families, to individuals, to businesses. And and Erin Murphy came out and said she's got a, um, a farmer that pays $30,000 a year in out-of-pocket health costs. 
is getting a surprise $20,000 bill in emergency surgery. That's you, Aaron. That's you, Aaron Murphy. That's you, Tim Waltz. That's you that made this that that made this mess. This is so ridiculous. These people are doubling down on stupid. There is nothing they don't want government to control or government to run. And it is absolutely ludicrous to believe that government involvement w- with single payer or Medicare for all or MinCare, Min, not MinCare, uh, MinSure or Minnesota Care, that, that, that any of those will work. It's ludicrous to believe that more government involvement will help that. We've got to stop these, got to stop these liars. They're dangerous. They're dangerous. And they won't even look at how much it's going to cost, how they're going to implement it, what it's going to do. Uh, it's just absolutely crazy. When you hear a politician promising something too good to be true, they're lying to you. They're lying to you. Don't let them get away with it at all. Stan, what's on your show? Uh, we're talking more regulations up at Lake of the Woods. <laughs> and I don't know if you've been listening, but you know my buddy Kudak. Yeah, I, I think him. he's seriously uh, maybe considering getting on the ballot. Oh, my he's, gosh. He's, he's enraged. Fabulous. What's he, want, he running he wants for? You, he wants you to be his campaign manager. No, but I can help him. I'll help him with talking okay. points. I'll help him understand issues. Mm-hmm. I'm in. Tell him I'm on the Vote campaign Ku- this is kitchen cabinet. See if this is better. Vote for Kudak. He's Minnesota nice without the high price. Oh, I like that. Tell him I'm on his cabinet. Yeah, for sure. All right, everyone. I'm sure we'll be loaded for bear next week. It's just the gift that keeps on giving. Thank you. Sue Jeffers.